Well, on these Sunday evenings, we are going through 2 Peter, and we've had two messages on them so far. Uh, Tim gave an introduction, a kind of overview of uh, what 2 Peter is about, the various things we are to look for, the, the various no's that are in there, the knowledge. And then last week, Dan took us on chapter 1, verse 1, to verse 11, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 12. So this is the word of God. So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you would do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is God's true and trustworthy word. Okay, well, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Peter and to chapter 1, Church Bible, page 1222. And we're going to look tonight at verses 12 to 21. Let's pray as we have our open Bibles. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can stand on every promise of your word. And thank you that this is a firm foundation for the saints of the Lord. So what would you say to us tonight, Lord, through your excellent word? I pray that you would speak to us, edify us with the truth, and encourage our hearts that we might live for you in a dark world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've read the passage of Scripture, and we're going to be referring to it as we move along this evening. Uh, we've got the title for this series, Truth and Lies at the End of the World. And tonight we're going to take three paragraphs, verses 12 to 15, verses 16 to 18, verses 19 to 21. They kind of weave together with one main theme. And the main theme is something like this. Pay attention to the trustworthy Bible as it is God's revelation and not human invention. Pay attention to the trustworthy Bible as it is God's revelation and not human invention. So the Bible is the revelation of God's truth, whereas false teaching comes from people's fallen minds. So let's look at these paragraphs. 
Paragraph number one, verses 12 to 15. Here we see Simon Peter has a really deep concern. It was like he was carrying a burden. There was something he had to do, and he had to do it quickly. For Peter knows that he's going to die soon, and there's something he's got to do before he dies. He, he writes about his death in verse 15. He speaks about his departure, his departure. And that's a, a Bible way of referring to death, departure. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, it says there that they spoke of Jesus' departure, which he would accomplish in Jerusalem. So his death. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul referred to his death as his departure. And the word that's actually used here in the Greek for departure is the word exodus, way out. If you should ever go on holiday to Greece, something I would highly recommend, but if you ever go on holiday to Greece, you'll see in the airports there the word exodus, uh, exodus gate, exodus lounge, departure is what it is, the exodus place, the departure. And that is the Christian way to think about death. It's an exodus out of this world into the promised land of heaven. We're not to view death as an end of blotting out of our existence, but a departure from one place to another. And Simon Peter knew that his departure was near. And he knew that because Jesus told him so. If you look at verse 14, uh, Jesus, uh, he says, um, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And he's talking there about the tent of his body. He's saying his body is like a tent in which he lives. He can take it down, put it back up again. And a day's march nearer home, the, the, the whole symbolism of the pilgrimage in the Old Testament. Uh, and Simon Peter says, this tent that I live in is going to be taken down. And my departure is near. And he says that Jesus has made that clear to me. And for a cross-reference, we haven't time to go to it tonight, but Jesus told him that in John's Gospel, chapter 21. Jesus told Peter about his death. And so Peter knew that he would not be alive for the second coming of the Lord. He knew that he was going to die very soon. And therefore, Simon Peter writes a lot about the second coming, and we'll come to that in chapter 3, a few weeks down the line. So Peter lives with this, this knowledge in his mind, this knowledge that he's going to die soon, there are false teachers arising, and the second coming will come one day. And so in the light of that knowledge, and in the light of his imminent death, Peter has got to do something. And the thing that he wants to do is to ensure that Christians remember God's truth. Verse 12, he wants to remind them. He says, so I will always remind you of these things. In verse 13, he wants to refresh their memory. I think it is right to refresh your memory. And again in verse 15, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. 
So here's what Peter wants to do. This burden that he's got. I'm going to die. I know that. It's going to be soon. But before that day of my departure, I'm going to make sure that I've got things in place for you to remember the gospel truth. And he's going to work hard for that. He says in verse 15, I will make every effort to do that. Now, last week, Dan pointed out to us that twice in verses uh, 3 to 12, Peter had told his readers or his hearers to make every effort. told them that twice, once in verse uh, 5 and once in verse 10. And then Peter says, look, I'm no slacker myself. I'm going to make every effort as well to make sure that you can remember these things. And hence, we've got two letters from Peter. One Peter and two Peter, containing gospel truth. It's also the case that Mark's gospel is Peter's memories written down. So Peter was behind Mark's gospel. Mark wrote accurately all that Peter remembered. So Peter's going to record his memories so that after he dies, people will have the accounts of an eyewitness and they'll be reminded, refreshed, and remember the truth of the gospel. So there's something of a determination and an urgency to what Peter wants to do. I've got to do this before I die. But there's something else on the horizon as well that Peter's aware of. He, he is aware that there are, there's going to be a generation of people after him without the presence of the eyewitnesses. So Peter was an eyewitness. He'd seen, he'd heard, he'd touched Jesus Christ. So had all the other apostles. They were going to die out. And so the second generation of Christians, the next generation of Christians coming up, what are they going to have to make sure they can be established on the firm foundation of the word of God? They'll only get it if somebody writes it down. So Simon Peter says that in order for the next generation of Christians to be as sure of the truth as we eyewitnesses are, then we're going to write it down to pass it on. So the next two paragraphs are about the trustworthiness of God's truth in the gospel. Uh, we, we've skipped through verses 12 to 15. There's much more wonderful things that could be said about it, but that's the burden of it. I'm going to write these things down that you remember them because I'm going, you're staying. So the next two paragraphs speak about how we can trust the word of God, how we can trust what Peter and others have written down. So verses 16 to 18, uh, next paragraph, we see the eyewitness testimony of the apostles. Verses 16 to 18. Here in this paragraph, Peter's referring back to a most remarkable event in the life of Jesus Christ, the transfiguration. And I want us to turn back to that, to have a read of it, in Matthew chapter 17. So Matthew chapter 17. Keep a marker in 2 Peter. We're going to be back there very soon. But Matthew chapter 17 verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James. 
and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So this is the event that Simon Peter was part of. Come back now to 2 Peter, and we read chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter's referring back to that remarkable event. And he's saying, look, I'm not making this up. This actually happened. We saw the transfiguration. We heard the voice of God. This is not a cleverly devised story. This is the truth of God. And Peter is emphasizing that this is a revelation from God as opposed to an invention of a fabricated story. And so if you just look down to chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Jonathan's going to take us on this next week, so I'm not going to nick Jonathan's uh, text. But you can see why Peter speaks about God's revelation. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. So the false teachers had fabricated stories. They, they made things up. Back to our paragraph, chapter 1, verse 16, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. We didn't do that. You can't trust the false teachers. It's all coming from their fallen mind. You can trust what the apostle's saying because it's God's revelation. In contrast to the lies and stories that people have made up, we are passing on to you the truth of God. And what's more, Peter refers to this transfiguration event, which is absolutely glorious. He does, does so in order that we might see something not just of what is past, but have a glimpse of what is yet to come. We've mentioned how interested Peter is in the second coming. And in chapter 3, he will mention the day of the Lord that will come. And Peter speaks about the Lord coming in power and majesty and glory. And Peter says in our paragraph that we have seen the power and the glory 
and the majesty already. So what we have seen of the majesty and the power and the glory of Jesus, what we have seen and what we know about points forward to what we will yet see and know about. There were only three people who saw the transfiguration of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. But when Jesus returns, every eye will see him. We will all see him, the majesty and the power. So Peter wants people, his hearers, to know that they can trust the gospel message. It's a firm foundation. They can stand on these promises of God's word. Not fabricated stories, but the truth of God. And they point to the hope of the return of Jesus. So that's, that's the second paragraph. Trust the word of God. Um, so the final paragraph then, verses 19 to 21. In this paragraph, Peter continues to build our confidence in the Scriptures. He's told us in paragraph 1 what he's going to do, remind us of the truth. He's told us in paragraph 2 why we can trust what he's saying. He's an eyewitness. Paragraph 3, he builds upon that. Verse 19, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, And you would do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. There are different ways of interpreting some of these uh, words, but here's the way I'm going to take it. The word also, notice that word, second word of verse 19, also. Also, or what? Well, in other words, we not only have the authentic eyewitness accounts that Peter's referred to, we not only have the voice of God on the mountain that Peter referred to, but we also have the Old Testament prophets confirmed. See, the Old Testament prophets spoke about the suffering and the glory of Jesus. Turn back about three pages to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter 1 and verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Peter is telling us in that paragraph that the Old Testament prophets spoke of the sufferings and glories of Jesus. And that was hundreds of years before Jesus was born and lived. So, when the sufferings and glories of Jesus did happen, it showed that the Old Testament prophets were completely reliable because it was fulfilled. So verse 19 again, back to chapter 1 of 2 Peter. We also have the prophetic message of the suffering and glory of Jesus. We also have that as something completely reliable. And so, Peter says in verse 19, pay attention to it. 
you will do well to pay attention to the scriptures. Why? Verse 19, because they are a light shining in a dark place. The, the world in which Peter lived was a world where sin abounded and false teachers surrounded people. And it's very much like our world as well today, isn't it? There are many false teachers. There are many cults and false religions around. And sin also does abound. It's a dark world. We live in a dark place. And into that dark world, the scriptures shine a light. So you will do well to pay attention to these scriptures as to a light shining in a dark place. How do we know how to live as Christians? How do we know how to react to certain ethical teachings and moral dilemmas that are coming our way, left, right, and center, seemingly more and more and more? The whole gender issue, uh, the whole AI issue, there's so many things that come our way. How do we know what the truth is? How do we know how to react? It's a dark place. It's the scriptures that shine a light to our path in that dark place. Or as Alison Hammond said on the TV this week, her grand told her that the Bible is your sat-nav. And that's what our Bible is. It directs us through this dark, mazy world. Or as the scriptures put it in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So we would do very well to pay attention to the scriptures if we know, want to know the truth and how to live in the light of that truth. And we can be assured that the scriptures are the revelation of God. We've seen that it's eyewitness. Now look at verse 20. <clears throat> Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. In other words, those Old Testament prophets, they didn't make their message up sitting in isolation or gathered in a theological conference. They're not like the political commentators uh, who, you see, it's, it's not their own interpretation of things. So political commentators today, depending upon their point of view and their persuasion, will look at something and then they'll give you their opinion of it in the, a newspaper column or a, a blog. Uh, and it's, it's their opinion, it's their interpretation of what's happening. And Peter says, the prophets are not like that. It's not their own interpretation of things, they didn't look around and say, what do I think about that? I'll write it down. No, no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's the origin of the scriptures. It's not from people's clever brains, but rather people spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That word carried along in the, in the Greek is the idea of a, a boat being sails being filled with the wind and being moved along the lake. And maybe Simon Peter, um, knowing he's going to die soon, thinks back to his childhood by the Lake of Galilee. 
And maybe he thinks back then to when he was a teenager or a young 20-something, his days of fishing on the Sea of Galilee and the fishing boat that he had that Jesus used once. And maybe he's thinking back to the time there on that Lake of Galilee when the wind filled the sails of the boat and just, just carried it along. And he says, that's how Scripture came. The Spirit so filled those prophets that they were carried along by the truth of God. So we can trust the Scriptures. They are eyewitness accounts of the apostles. They are spirit-breathed messages as opposed to the fabricated stories of the false teachers. So we would do well to pay attention to the Scriptures. And all of the more, as the day of the Lord approaches, let's close just by looking at verse 19. The words we haven't picked up yet. Verse 19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We've got the scriptures now. Pay attention to them until the next epoch of revelation takes place. So we got the scriptures as a complete revelation, but there's going to come more revelation. And that revelation will take place when Jesus returns. There we will see things we've never seen before, and there we will hear things we've never heard before, and there will be, we will be part of things we've never been part of before. And new truth will be revealed when Jesus Christ comes back. And he speaks about Jesus as the morning, the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. The morning star is a reference to Jesus himself. The prophet Balaam in Numbers chapter 24 speaks about a star rising out of Jacob. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22, I, Jesus, am the bright morning star. And there's going to be something objective about the second coming. We will see it. It won't just be our experience, but we will see what's going on outside of us. But also it says this morning star will rise in our hearts. There's something subjective about it. There's something we will share in, the Romans 8 kind of thing, the glory to be revealed in us. And so, until that day, until Jesus Christ returns, the day dawns, until then, we will do well to pay attention to the scriptures, the account of the eyewitnesses, the message of the prophets, combining together to give us a true and trustworthy word, a light to our path as we live in a dark world. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessed hope we have that uh, here in this uh, tent of a body we live, but thank you that our home with a permanent place is being prepared for us in heaven. And thank you that there is a day when we shall be forever with the Lord. Thank you that until that day, when the morning star rises in our hearts and the day dawns, until that day, we have the scriptures as completely reliable. 
and thank you that these are a firm foundation for belief and behavior in a very dark world. Bless us now, we pray, as we go out to our various front lines that we might be ambassadors of Jesus. Amen.